But I think my biggest concern is that once we're out of lockdown, we'll forget that this is important. And self-care is important even when things are going well. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. My name is Poncho. Welcome to OCJ, Our Collective Journey, a series, continuing series about mental health, mental illness, and everything that affects it. And here in 2020, well, there has, I, I think, never been a more important reason to bring this to the table. Uh, so joining us right now, we have Alyssa and Callan. Is it Callan or Kayla? I know I asked for your name like two minutes ago and I've <laughs> already Callan. forgotten. My Callan? Yep. Hi, Callan. Hi. How are you? This is, we, we start the podcast off with this question to all of our guests. And instead of hearing the good, good, everybody's good, we, we want to get your honest thoughts. So Callan, how are you? Um, I think... I'm okay. I'm hanging in there, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say good anyway, probably, just because I think the closer it gets to Christmas, the less good I feel, but um, just hanging in there. Why is that? What? Why, why do you feel more anxious and less good as we get closer to the holidays? I don't know. I think it's just because it doesn't feel the same as every other year, so mm. struggling a little bit with that, but yeah. yeah you, well, you're definitely not alone, and, and there's Regardless if it's good or bad, there's there's power in not being alone. Is is that a fair statement? Yeah, for sure. Callan, thank you for your honesty. Uh, hello, Alyssa. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Uh, I think I had too much coffee, yeah. so I got the uh, you <laughs> know, vibrating uh, and the yeah, just kind of sitting, hovering off Big Brown. Big Brown's what I call my <laughs> my chair. Uh, so you said you're great. Why are you great? I'm great because I'm here, and this is like. To be on this podcast, I think, to be able to have a voice here, um, that's that's like been a dream of mine, I guess, is to be able to share with other people um, how I'm doing, what's going on for me, and how I'm making my way through this time right now. Well, on, on behalf of the OCJ team, we are incredibly grateful that the both of you have taken your time to uh, speak with us about mental health and mental illness. And let's begin by, well, talking about what you do. You're, you're both social workers, correct? Yes. Yeah. And instead of me explaining what a social worker is, because I think there's a lot of uh, misconceived notions and misconceptions about what a social worker does and doesn't do. Uh, so let's hear it from uh, your mouths directly. I think a social worker is a lot of things. And I think each social worker has a different role that they play in our community, um, in our world. And for me, my position right now, I'm an educator. And so I'm a suicide prevention educator, but I have had previous roles um, as an advocate and an advocate um, for those most vulnerable in our community. And I think it's always changing what that looks like for me personally, what being a social worker is though, um, is really just 
giving dignity and respect to all those that I work with, um, all peoples. And so that's what it means for me. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think social work has a lot to do with relationships between people. And that kind of is different in whatever role you have. So um, I think I would also classify myself as an educator right now. But before that, I worked with um, high-risk youth. And so that looked a little bit different. Um, There's some social workers that work in hospitals. There's some social workers that work for children's services and that kind of thing. And I think when we say social work, maybe um, the average person in population would think like, we just take kids away or, you know, that kind of attitude. And there's just so many more roles than, than those. It's an incredibly diverse career, isn't it? Uh, to say the least, I'll share something with you. Um, before I got into radio, I actually went to university to become a social worker. Mm. Wow. And as I learned more what social working was all about, I, I wasn't sure if I could handle the pressure handle the stress. And so the fact that both of you have made the choice to do this, my hat off to you, my bandana off to you. And a big reason of why we have you in here today is that we want to hopefully give our listeners uh, some skills, some insight of how to handle 2020. I mean, Mm -hmm. whether we're dealing with mental illness or, or mental health or not, the year of the pandemic, the year of COVID-19, numbers reported anxiety, depression, suicide rates have spiked. And as most of us are not surprised, there is a direct correlation between that. I I mean, as of this past June, depression rates were three to four times higher than they were the same time last year. Even right here in Medicine Hat, Alberta, suicide Mm -hmm. rates in 2019 were somewhere around, I want to say, seven Eight, which is too high already. And here in 2020, they have doubled. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's been a huge correlation between mental illness and COVID? I think so. Um, I think as human beings, we're social human beings. And we like to be with other people, um, with our families, friends, whatever that looks like for an individual. Um, and being isolated that only exacerbates like mental illness um, and experiences of anxiety, depression and whatnot, especially for people who haven't even maybe necessarily felt depression before, but are now feeling those feelings of like they're overwhelmed. And just with all the information that's out there right now, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I agree. And I think not even just mental illness, but Mm -hmm just in terms of like people's coping skills they were using before and them not being available now. Like if your coping skill was to rely on your support systems or go to your friend's house or go for coffee or go to the gym or whatever that looks like. And now you can't, there's a lot of people having to relearn that and not being able to. So. And so a a reason of why we're all here together today is hopefully we can find some measures that can be taken to address Mm-hmm. what everybody is dealing with. So is it safe to say that the pandemic has affected mental health concerning anybody and everybody, even if you don't have uh, yeah. mental illness? Yeah. Yeah. Even if not diagnosed, I think the pandemic is affecting everybody. That's for sure. Yeah. You said diagnosed. 
for anybody that has mental illness, mm-hmm. a lot of us go undiagnosed. And for mm-hmm. those that suffer from it, we a lot of us don't even know that we have a mm-hmm. mental illness. As professionals, what signs do you look for? And when you speak with somebody that has mental illness, how do you how do you start that conversation with them? Are you asking like if they're not sure if they have a mental illness or not? Both. Okay. Yeah. I think I would say that a common misconception would be that you either are mentally ill or you're not, mm-hmm. um, or you're mentally healthy or you're not. And I think both can occur at the same time. So you can have good mental health and be diagnosed with a mental illness mm-hmm. um, or kind of vice versa. So obviously um, a mental illness is diagnosed by a doctor or psychiatrist. So those would be questions that you would want to ask um, to those professionals. Um, as social workers, we can't diagnose those things. Um, mm-hmm. But knowing that everybody has mental health to take care of, um, no matter if you have a mental illness or not, um, those feelings are normal to be like anxious or feeling sad or feeling angry or those kind of things. And so those can occur without being diagnosed by a doctor or a psychiatrist or a different professional. Um, But in terms of just, I think the overall misconception about we all have mental health to take care of, no matter what that looks like on paper Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. is really important. Do you think we haven't been giving attention to ourselves and to those that we love when it comes to mental health? Do you think that we are putting our focus elsewhere? I think there are a lot of gaps in the system. That's for sure. Um, But I think right now individuals are just struggling on a personal level and sometimes they might be struggling in themselves so that they don't have maybe the recognition that someone else around them is struggling. And that's just kind of where we're at right now. But there's definitely like different avenues of self-care that we can look at to be able to help cope through this time. Let's talk about self-care. Let's explain what self-care is actually. Who would like to start? Because I think we all have different ideas of what self-care is. I, as Ultimately, I think it's looking after yourself. I, I think even more important than the physical part, mm-hmm. the yeah, mental part. I think wellness is holistic, and that's the inclusion of mind, body, and spirit. Um, and so self-care for me in my life, I have to look at all the things. And so that's psychological, it's emotional, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's personal, and it's professional. And I have to look at all of them as a whole together to be able to manage and maintain some balance in my life. That can be overwhelming. That is a lot of information to take in. That is a a lot of information to process on a daily basis, especially here in the year of 2020. So let's Mm -hmm. talk tips. Let's talk pointers. What is the single biggest, easiest step that anybody can take to look after themselves? I think where I would start 
100% of the time is giving yourself permission to do it. Because I think that we don't give permission to ourselves to do it. Um, some of us grew up in homes where maybe that's not what was talked about. There's a lot of shame and guilt attached to taking time for yourself. Um, and so, I mean, there's lots of different things you can do for self-care. And we can definitely get into those. But I think the number one thing that people need to hear is that you have to start with giving yourself permission to take the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to feel how you feel, whether those are happy feelings or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, you have to acknowledge how you feel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And making time to do these things. So when you say make, cause we always say, I need to make time to do this. I need to make time to exercise nowhere. I'm, I need to make time to find a new hobby and, and we do have to make time. Would you say it takes a lot of time on a daily basis? So what would that be? 10, 15 minutes of, of just quiet time, downtime, uh, maybe something that interests you, maybe something that distracts you from the mm-hmm. everyday hardships of life? Yeah, I think it's just adding, even if you just start with one thing and adding that in um, and putting it in your calendar um, making sure that you're prioritizing yourself for a piece of your day. Um, even if you just start there, like I know for me, self-care is so important, especially working in the field that I do, um, because I'm a very emotional and feelings kind of person and I hold a lot for other people. Um, and so I really need to take care of myself. And so to start that, um, when I first got my degree it was expressive writing. Like that was something that was huge for me that was kind of instilled for me at the start of my degree. And just writing, not for anybody, but for yourself and just putting some words down on paper, whether that's journaling, um, there's like workbooks you can get on the internet. Uh, You could download those, but just writing like how, and it's really about the feeling and it's not so much about like, anything else other than the feeling and what you're feeling currently. And so you could make that into a goal and that could look like 20 minutes a day for four days in a row and just kind of processing your feelings and emotions. And it's really that self-reflective practice. And I, I think self-reflective is really psychological and you're going to gain so much potentially like, and see if things fit for you too. Like if you wanted to try expressive writing or journaling it's just an example of something that i do in my life yeah so so that's your release that's what yeah. works for you psychologically and, yeah okay yeah it, and what about yourself Callan? um my stress response i think i'll just go back a little bit but i think i didn't grow up in a home where you know, like this was something that was practiced. And I think I have that in common with lots of people. Um, And I think self-care is kind of a new topic that we talk about, even though it shouldn't be. Um, But I definitely didn't grow up in a home where, you know, like we set time aside for that or like Mm -hmm. your worth was based on like how much time you took for yourself by any means. So I had to learn that as an adult and I learned it because 
I burnt out at 22 years old and I found myself in the emergency room of a hospital because I was so sick and I did not know what was wrong with me. And so my stress response ever since I was little was really physical and um, lots of stomach problems and just like lots of physical health issues that I thought were just my body didn't like me. And so um, I learned that when I was an adult and so for me, sometimes it's literally just drink a glass of water, Callan. Like just stop for one second and drink a glass of water. Like don't have another coffee or, you know, like what does your body actually need right now? And I had to train myself to to do those things. And it seems so simple. Like why wouldn't you drink water? But you don't when you forget about yourself. Mm-hmm. You just go, go, go. And you just go to the next thing and you don't care what's going on in your body. So I think honestly, for me, it's taking care of my physical body that way. Um, seems simple, but it's it has helped me a lot. So, whether it's looking after your body physically or expressive writing, I, I think the common denominator here is that number one, we need—I don't want to say a distraction. Maybe that's the wrong word, but we need to do something to ensure that we look after our own beings. And this Mm -hmm. goes back to something that you said a few minutes earlier, is that you have to put yourself first, because if you don't put yourself first, how can you look after Mm -hmm. the rest of what's happening in your world? Mm -hmm. Yeah. After you've realized that you need to look after yourself, then what? How do you maintain that? Yeah, it is a work in progress and it is not perfect still. Like yesterday Mm -hmm. was not a good day for me. And that's why I said when I first got on, like, not great. Christmas is coming. Like, this doesn't look like I'm really good at this all the time. And I think, yes, we're social workers or I'm speaking for myself, at least. I mean, Mm -hmm. I went to university and I know this stuff and I could write a paper on it and that's fine. But I mean, life happens to all of us and things happen all the time. And I think it's really a work in progress. And at the same time that you're giving permission to do these things, you also need to give yourself some grace when it doesn't go well, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you have a bad day and you're like, okay, that wasn't, that was not healthy. Like I probably shouldn't have eaten two chocolate bars instead of having a glass of water, whatever it is, or you didn't get off the couch or whatever, like just practicing the mindset that like tomorrow's different and I can do something different and Mm -hmm. you know maybe I don't have an hour and a half to go to the gym or the gym's closed or whatever the whatever the thing is but I have five minutes to drink a glass of water tomorrow and I'm going to do that so just like reflecting I guess on what has worked and what um what I can do differently and it's a process and it's an intentional process I think it's like anything good in your life. It, it takes work and it's something that you have to practice at until, until it becomes second nature. It's like picking up the guitar, you know, and, until your fingers learn that, that memory, it's going to take a lot of work and mm-hmm. a lot of effort. And I think it's something that's forever ongoing. Uh, Callan, you back to the soul, you drinking water, Callan. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're drinking this, where's your mind at? Is, is there a, a connection between your glass of water and being able to just breathe and to block out the world? Yeah, I would say there is. And when I tell that story to people, they're, they're always like, that seems so silly, like whatever. But I remember, oh, go ahead. 
but it's not silly, is it? No. To, to verbally say it, it sounds simple. It is just drink some water, mm-hmm. right? That's all we have to do. And so do you get the the question going, well, how can drinking water, how can sitting still for five minutes make me feel better? But it, it really, really, really does. So when you're taking self-care, when you're talking uh, mental wellness, you don't need to go off on a track halfway around the world and, and trace the footsteps of, of Buddha. <laughs> right? That'd be I wonderful, mean, but no, you don't have to do that. And I really think do that there's, right now. <laughs> and I think there's different kinds of self-care. Like there's self-care, like Alyssa said, she kind of outlined like different parts of her life where she practices self-care. And, and for sure for me too, I mean, like I like to go for walks and do spend time with people I love and, and that kind of thing. But also like, I also think self-care are things that make you stronger and more resilient as a person sometimes and sometimes it is a glass of water like if I can't regulate myself and then I have to talk to other people or I have to go into my job or you know or there's people going home to their spouses or whatever and getting in arguments and that kind of thing if I can't regulate myself I can't regulate anybody and so sometimes yeah when I'm drinking a glass of water I'm literally telling myself okay you need to get your brain back to like even playing field here because you are so hyper at the moment that this isn't going to work unless you do. So, and, and expressive writing for you, that you do that for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to self-regulate and kind of see where I'm at and reflect. Um, that's really big for me. Because the results are the same, or or the goal is the same, we want to ensure that we maintain. Yeah, taking time, just taking whether it's a moment where you're drinking water, um, or it's twenty minutes where you're being intentional about taking time out for yourself. I think so. Is similar. So as easy as it sounds, this is something that everybody. I mean, everybody can do when it comes to mental health. And especially mm-hmm. here in 2020, we need that more than ever. So it doesn't have to be complicated, six, seven, yeah. eight steps. It's one thing. It's that one thing that you find tranquility in, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. It yeah. could be even setting boundaries. That could be self-care. That's professional self-care. Right? Let's talk about that. What, what do you mean by setting boundaries? Yeah. So like leaving work at work, that would be professional self-care. Coming home, you know, kind of debriefing with yourself, reflecting, and then moving on with your evening and not thinking about work, like that's a boundary I have to have for myself. Otherwise, I'm not going to be okay (laughs) to help people, kind of like Helen said. So, yeah. I think. Go ahead, Kellen. Oh, I was just going to say one of my boundaries right now is just the use of social media and how much I'm scrolling on my phone. And those are conversations I've had with my friends lately, like, I notice now, once you start this work, you notice when people aren't, like, when they're not doing well and you can see that that's happening. And right now, I think that's really easy. It's just this, like, information exhaustion by what's out there right now. And so just setting your phone down for 10 minutes more than you usually do. Like, mm-hmm. I'd, it, it doesn't take a lot of time, but 10 minutes less today is better than, than, better than nothing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like going to the gym. I mean, mm-hmm. you have intentions of going for an hour, but I mean, even walking through the door, if you're there for 10 minutes and you walk out, Hey, at least that's 10 more minutes than 
you got in if you didn't go there mm-hmm. at all. Interesting. You say you put the phone down. Do you find, and this is to both of you, that social media, I mean, the Instagrams and, and everything else, um, I stay off social media because I, because I don't want to feel like that. And here in the year of the pandemic, do you feel that social media has had a, a big negative impact on those that already are dealing with mental health issues? Yeah, I do. I think there's so much information out there and there's credible sources and there's not credible sources. And then there's also the comment section, which nobody should read ever for their own self-care. But yeah, I do. I think as humans, we're not meant to take in that much. And if we're taking that much in from your phone, then there's no room to take it in anywhere else in your life. I'm a big fan of Twitter. And one of the things I like about Twitter is that I can choose who I want to follow. And that allows me to take in information that I want to take in, meaning that I can filter out the bad. And I never thought I would say this, but one of the, one of the people I've started following is the feel good page Mm -hmm. and half of their tweets are cats and dogs and (laughs) kids smiling. But it's just that one page that makes me feel good about the world and I know that social media is incredibly difficult for for anyone to get away from and so even if you're not willing to put your phone down would it be a positive idea to maybe start following positive people or if you're on Facebook maybe start leaning towards those who post positive thoughts and positive pictures and, and positive memes yeah maybe be that first person that posts something kind that day or because you're just getting that positive information out there. Because I think social media, it can be destructive, but it can also be a great resource for posting positive things, posting things about coping skills or looking for that kind of information and maybe following those pages like you did. Yeah, I think that's all boundary work. And I think something I do with like youth I work with is get them to go through their feed and write down like just a tally of how many negative things they see just by like scrolling for five Mm -hmm. minutes, like how many negative things or like things that make them uncomfortable, maybe. And then how many positive things they see. And almost all of the time, the negative outweighs the, Mm -hmm. the positive. And so having that boundary around like who you are following and what you're processing without even knowing you're doing it, like we're all scrolling and we see it. And whether we I mean, recognize that that's happening. It is. Our brains are taking it in whether we know or not. The big one of the big words that came up in 2020 is doom scrolling. And doom scrolling is just what we're talking about. Looking down your feed, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And it's nothing but, you know, venomous, Mm -hmm. poisonous stories. And whether you think it affects you or not, it does, doesn't it? It does affect your brain. Um, I like right now. Some people have been posting days of gratitude and they've just every day, it's like an intentional practice about posting whatever they're grateful for. So I have actually a few friends on my feed posting their gratitude post and I'm like, wow, they found gratitude in honestly really a shitty day, but Mm -hmm. they found like little pieces of joy and little pieces of gratitude and hope in that day, even if they weren't doing anything like super special. They were like the sunrise this morning. I'm grateful for the sunrise. And then they took a picture of it, like integrating that practice into our life. Just that is self-care. Looking for the little things. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I'm going to paraphrase Bob Ross because I love the master <laughs> yes. of relaxation. And one of the things he said, he says, we're going to put a little dark in this painting to show light because yeah. you can't show light unless you have a little bit of dark. And this world has been full of that, but there are pieces of light in there. And I think the three things that I've learned already from speaking with you in terms of looking after yourself Number one, make time for yourself. You need to find something that mm -hmm. you enjoy. Number two, we need to set boundaries. And number three, we need to be grateful. Do you think those are three lessons that we can include in every aspect of our life? I think those are great lessons. Um, I think right now there is a lot of disappointment, like especially around the holidays and Christmas. It's just not the same as it usually is, or we can't see the people that we usually can. And there's heartbreak there. And there's like chunks of our heart that are being, you know, ripped away. And in yeah. saying that, there's also opportunity and the disappointment. And that opportunity is growth. And we can choose growth and we can choose the light, right? Like we have that. Yeah. That's the that's the flip side of the negative social media is that there is a positive mm -hmm. social media and it's it's following the positive or you're right. A lot of us aren't going to be able to see families. But again, that's where technology comes shining through because we have the means of still communicating and mm -hmm. seeing our family and our friends and our loved ones from across the seas or across yeah. the nation. What if you don't have anybody in your life? What if you don't have anybody to talk to? Now what? Now what do you do? Where do you go? I think there's a lot of avenues to go and not to like put a plug, but. <laughs> no, no, but let's, let's but talk honestly, about this. Yeah. Like our collective journey, like that's a space where you can reach out on social media. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you can be directed to the Facebook page or whatnot. But it's somewhere where you can actually connect with other people that are experiencing similar things or have experienced similar stories um, and experiences. Uh, I've connected with a few people through our collective journey. And honestly, I didn't know they were people that I needed in my life. Um, and they obviously needed me. And I think that's that human connection, whether or not it's over the phone or it's a cop car coffee stop you know you just like pull up hey how you doing check in masks and all or you know but it's a space where you can connect with other people and that's huge right now you said coffee with cops is there something <laughs> that i don't know about what's the you just like a drive by like hey how you doing <laughs> pull up in a parking lot sometimes you just need a wave at your friend or something um, i gotcha i think that's a good um, point just all around too like if maybe like you're not the one that's by yourself but if you see people like in a grocery mm. store or like if you have the opportunity to buy someone a coffee um, that's self-care in its own because I think acts of service can be part of self-care, but you mm. might make that person's day. Like we're mm. all struggling. We're all doing this. Like it sucks for everybody. And so, I mean, if you can't do anything else, just don't be mean. Like, I don't, just I don't, don't know. Yeah. Just don't be mean. <laughs> just be nice. Oh, you see someone being mean. I think there's something going on for them as yeah. well. And maybe reaching out to that person, maybe you're going to be the first person that does that and recognizes that anger is coming from hurt. Right. In everything that we do, taking the first step is always the toughest. I mean, when we started this uh, 
episode, the very first thing we talked about is, is how we're feeling, how we're really feeling. And it's about listening, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because I think a huge part, we just go through the motions of pretending to listen, of pretending to care. And, and I really, and we do care. I, I'd like to think as, as a society, we do give a shit. We do give a damn. We do love, but we have to open up our ears in order to receive that. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's maybe something that we can use as a life skill as well in terms of looking after ourselves? Yeah, listening and keeping your eyes open and your yourself open to receiving love and giving love, whatever that looks like, whether it's online or in person or at the grocery store, like Helen was saying. You mentioned receiving love, and Mm -hmm. it's something I think that we've all heard. It's something that personally I've struggled with. It's it's something Mm -hmm. that I still struggle with. It's something I'm not sure that I completely understand, although I really, really, really want to. Uh, Giving love, that's a different story. I Mm -hmm. I mean, we love it when we can make others happy, but to receive love for some, that's that's, that's very, it is, it's, mm. it's difficult. And, and I don't know how to respond to it. I don't know how to accept it. So can you shed some light on what I and what anybody else is feeling can do in, in terms of how to accept love? I think I can. I think that's something that I've struggled with forever too. Um, and I think it's a vulnerable place to be to allow somebody to love you or care about you or, or whatever and not put those walls up. And Hmm. I think something I had to do was literally just practice it. And I mean, this comes a little bit from just like the professional realm of my life, but I had a teacher that noticed that that happened. Um, I would do really well on assignments or like, you know, on tests or I was good at what I was doing and I wouldn't take a compliment. I would backhand the compliment every single time or she would say that was really good and I'd be like, yeah, but this or or whatever and start criticizing myself and she would stop me every single time and say, try it again. And it was the most uncomfortable thing that I've ever had to do. And I would I would get a little annoyed at her, but I, I thank her now because it was a practice again, just like self care, because I think it is an act of self care um, that I just had to move through. And mm-hmm. I say to now, I say to people that are in my life, like, can you stop me when I do that? Or mm-hmm. I try to tell them to not do that. Like, can you try that again? Because I'm trying to tell you that, you know, you've done something well, or I like your outfit or whatever, and, and you're backhanding it back. And people don't mm-hmm. know they're doing it. And so I think you just have to practice until it's not so uncomfortable anymore. Well, that's something I need to practice on. And the moment you said, in order to receive love, the walls have to come down. Mm -hmm. And that instantly triggered, I I have my walls up a lot of the time. So that's probably a big reason of why, because I know people are giving love. Mm -hmm. And to accept it is a little different, but I think that's a a huge, huge hurdle. Thank you for that. You know, we've, mm-hmm. you've already, the both of you have already shared some amazing tips on how to cope mm-hmm. along with, again, the boundaries and finding something that you can vent or release or and this, I can't, I don't know if you can see it, but you know, when 
when my depression was really, really, really bad, I got myself <laughs> oh, that pet guy. Yeah, right there. You know, a pet. He was a, a rescue pet because at a time I, I had nobody in my life and I needed, you know, somebody or something, I think, to dote love on. Mm-hmm. And What's, I think. Of, is it a he? Uh, yeah, Farnsworth. Fine, <laughs> yeah, he's purring right now. He purrs incredibly, incredibly loud. And does he give you lots of love? Yeah, he's much like myself. You know, we sleep 18 hours a day or a little <laughs> overweight. We're incredibly hairy. We just like to uh, smile and and uh, and feel good. Um, and being honest with yourself, that was mentioned as well. That's really tough to do too, isn't it? And I... And I think that's something that we need to do. And again, it all comes back to self-care because I like to think we fool ourselves into thinking that we're okay. And and deep down, we know we're not. Mm -hmm. Right. And we all want to be okay, right? That's why we do that. That's just a human quality that we have. It's not right or wrong. It's just that it happens. And so just making that choice to be reflective about that is really important. And you have to make the choice. You know, that's up to every individual on their own to make that choice. So mm-hmm. it's a tough one and it's uncomfortable, like I said, but um, once you start, it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Where can we learn skills like this as, as professionals? Is there somewhere you can send us? Maybe it's a, a phone number or a web page. It's, it's one thing to talk about these um, point and they're incredible point. They're incredibly positive, simple, effective ways to look after yourself. But a lot of the times we we need to start somewhere because I mean, if you've yeah. never meditated and you know mm-hmm. that meditation would make you feel, but how do you start? If you want to write but you've never written, how do you start? If you want to go to the gym but you don't know how to get, how do you do that? So, how do you recommend to start down that path to get better? Um, there's a specific resource that I use in my life. Um, I'm a social worker that goes to therapy. Like I need it. And this is one resource homework, I guess you could say that she sent me home with, and it was, um, a self-care wheel. And so it helped to give me resources to be able to utilize and start integrating into my life. Um, so much so that now it's been become like a practice. Um, and that is, you could Google it. It's Olga Phoenix and it's a self-care wheel and it has it even filled in for you. And then there's one that isn't filled in and you could fill that in yourself. And it's just something that's going to start you on a track, like just start by integrating one thing. Um, and then she's also done one for during this time of COVID and it's for enhancing resiliency and it's a resiliency wheel And it's a great visual for me, like I'm a visual learner and a visual person that I can actually utilize in my life. Um, And then eventually it kind of gets ingrained in your brain and you then know how to recognize when you're out of balance and what you can do to get back into balance. So that's just a resource that I use personally. And what's it called again? Um, So the creator of it is Olga Phoenix. And the wheel is called the self-care wheel. And I think it's the number one search self-care wheel on Google. But it's, it's a good resource. And a great, and a great place to start. Yeah. And, and you don't need to sign up to a four-year membership no. and you don't, don't need to <laughs> no, take it. You can a, use it for free. 
I think it's all Pinterest too. Yeah. I got I got to do the Pinterest thing. I don't, (laughs) yeah, I don't do Instagram either. Uh, I still have a Yahoo. I think I'm the only person that has a yahoo.com email account. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's my claim to fame. I'm single-handedly keeping Yahoo alive. So that's a great way to start. Um, Any other leads? Um, Any other recommendations? I would say to like use your network if you have one or your own social supports. Like, I mean, the best... I started going to yoga and the only reason I went to yoga was because I had a friend that went there. And so I talk about this too in my work, but also in my personal life, like people go to restaurants because people give good reviews or they know what happens there or, you know, like we don't just like walk in places because it might be okay. (laughs) Um, So just connecting with like the natural supports in your life that might use those things like, um, if Alyssa goes to a gym, I might ask her those questions. And, you know, and I think when you asked us like how we were at the beginning, that leads into it too. Because if I say I'm not great, I'm looking for this, instead of saying I'm fine, everything's good, then that opens a conversation. And maybe Alyssa would say to me, hey, I go to this place. Like, do you want to come try it with me when it's open? Not right now, but (laughs) when it's open again (laughs) or whatever it is. And I think, you know, like word of mouth and doing things collaboratively with people I think that's really powerful um I think we don't like to walk in blind to a lot of things and usually we go places because someone said it was safe or it was it was good or whatever their experience was so I think yeah if you don't have any like professional resources I think that's one that we could all use you said something interesting you said you know it can be hard to, I guess, talk, or in this case, it's, it can be hard to ask the tough questions because therein lies a a lot of the answers, but I mean, you got to scrape past that, that light surface. How do you ask the hard questions? Where, Where do you find the courage to start down the road to get better? Or if you see somebody suffering if you see somebody that has mental illness and they don't necessarily know, and you know they're hurting, can you just walk up to them? Is, is it that easy walking up to them and say, hey, look, something's going on. I know you're not alone. I'd say it's worth it. It just takes like two seconds of cold, hard bravery. <laughs> just get yourself out there and whatever bravery. happens after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But bravery, it's worth right. it because you're worth it. Like you as a human being, you're worth it and I'm worth it. And so really, let's just connect with each other. What's the biggest challenge as as professionals, as social workers that you two have had to endure in 2020 compared to previous years? What's the biggest change that, that you've seen in human behavior? Um, I think the ability to adapt Sometimes like I cannot do my job the way that I was doing it before. So um, obviously I had to move online for lots of things and, you know, like groups are going online and that kind of thing. And so people have a lot of fear around that Um, and their ability to adapt to change in the moment um, has been really hard for them and really hard for them to access what we have to offer. And so just walking through that kind of process has been 
one of the biggest things because we don't like change as people just in general. We don't really love it. So um, just having patience for them at that time instead of getting frustrated and saying like, well, this is how we have to do it because of COVID or whatever. Um, you know, like just empathizing with like that is hard and it's hard for everybody. And I don't like doing my job like that either. And, you know, can you just try it once or, you know, just trying to ease them into it instead of getting frustrated, I think, has been the biggest thing. I find it very interesting that everything that we've talked about here today, a lot of it, we can bring it back to the fact that we need to talk. It's, it's okay to ask questions. We have to ask questions. We have to communicate. We have to look after ourselves. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. that we need to look after ourselves if we want to look after those around us. Um, what do you see the future as? I get it. 2020 has been an incredibly dark year out of this. And we talk about there are positives out of this. Do you think as a whole that we will be more attuned, that we will make mental health and mental illness a, a, a bigger concern? Because it's affected, well, it's affected everybody now here in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think people can say it's not an issue anymore because I don't know anybody that hasn't been affected with their mental health by the pandemic. So I don't think we're going to hear as much stigma around whether mental health exists or not, for sure, coming out of this. What's your biggest concern for, you know, the future of of humans and and mental illness and and self-care? I... I'm going to hope that this doesn't happen, but I think my biggest concern is that once we're out of this, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. we'll forget that this is important. And self-care is important even when things are going well. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when we're out of lockdown and life is better and those kinds of things, like still integrating that in your life and making time for that, even though it seems like everything's fine now, mm-hmm. um, is a concern I have just because... If we keep building it into our life, then, you know, like the next obstacle won't be so hard. Yeah, I had a mentor in my life and she said, go to therapy now. I'm like, I'm doing great. Like, I'm doing good. Like, this is the best time of my life. She's like, no, this is the best time to go because this is when you're going to build a relationship with your therapist. And when you're not doing well, be able to just step into that office, right? Like, even when you're doing well, that's when we need to make strides at taking care of ourselves. And again, I know I used a guitar as an example, Mm -hmm. but I mean, when you're learning how to play, you put a lot of time and a lot of effort in it. And when you do learn, well, you don't stop practicing, right? You want to maintain those skill sets. Mm -hmm. You want to maintain Mm -hmm. what you've learned. And I think we can carry that through in this respect, as you mentioned, speaking with, uh, speaking with a therapist, Mm -hmm. You know, I think we need to maintain mental health. If there was, and thank you both. I know you've given all kinds of wonderful means of advice of how to look after yourself. If there was one piece of advice, unsolicited, one piece of advice that you could give anybody, what would it be? I think I'm sticking to my first one and just to give yourself permission to do it. I just think that people really struggle with self-care because there's shame and guilt attached to it. If they are not in a place where 
they do this regularly, it seems like you're not being productive. And so my unsolicited advice is just to please give yourself permission to do that work. Is, is routine important? To some Habit. people? I think to some people, I don't know that I would give that a blanket statement. I'm the least routine person (laughs) I've ever met. Oh, are you? So, like, yeah, routine's great for lots of people, but it stresses some people out. You just need to figure out what works for you. And some days are fine, and some days, you know, you go through it, and there's no issue, and and that's great. And some days are really shitty. So it just kind of depends on the person. I mean, if you... If you thrive in routine, then yeah, for sure, it is a benefit. If you don't, you, then you don't have to make it hard. You said something that just triggered a question. We have good days, but it's okay to have bad days too. Um, you own the good days, but we need to own mm-hmm. the bad days. And I think we need to remind ourselves that as awful as we feel, as low as we feel, as many tears as we cry, those bad moments will pass. They will not last forever. And I think that's where my biggest piece of advice would come. And on those bad days is when I learn my greatest. And that's because I have to give myself self-compassion and grace in those bad times. Love yourself. Forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Be easy on yourself. Would you think those are the, the big three statements that we can take out of this today? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is about like superficial positivity that like we're just like the masters of self-care because I'm definitely not. <laughs> um, but like just, yeah, forgiving yourself and giving yourself permission to try again, like mm-hmm. in an hour or tomorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to last forever. How important is to, how important do you find it is to talk to somebody? I mean, for a lot of people, number one, it, it's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, to open up, to speak. So what do you do? How do you start down that road? I think talk therapy is great for lots of people. And what I mean by that is going to see a counselor or a therapist to talk about whatever was going on. Um, But there's other avenues to that too. And lots of them have gone online or there's like text support numbers. Some people find it easier to text like the, you know, I I work with youth. So like the kid's helpful and you can do a a text service instead. Um, And then like just other avenues. So like art therapy or music Mm -hmm. therapy or or that kind of thing. Like it doesn't have to be you sit across from someone and spill everything. If you're not ready for that or it doesn't work for you, like that's okay too. It's, It's unique and it's individual. And I think that's kind of like a big summary of today is everyone's different and everyone's gonna have a different self care practice. But the end goal is the same, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, the problem might be the same in the respect that we're all dealing with personal issues in terms of mental health and, and mental illness. Mm-hmm. But the end goal is the same. We need to find means to not cure it, not cope with it, but manage it. And mm-hmm. I know um, on the OCJ Facebook page, you, you'll find a lot of those. Mm-hmm. You'll find a lot of those links. But but it's it's seeking help that it's getting, I guess, pushed into the 
proper direction, the proper channel. It's, it, it's starting for me anyway, that that was the most difficult part. It was not knowing where to start or not knowing mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. to talk to. Um, is that where social workers would come into play? Yeah, for sure. Like you can call, you know, down to AHS or Canadian Mental Health or um, Bridges has like hub navigators now that can hook you up with, you know, the resources that you need. So, I mean, it's scary. I'm, it is. I'm making that phone call and saying, I don't know what I need or mm-hmm. I don't know where to go. Like nobody likes to do that. But I hope that, you know, as we have more conversations like this or, you know, it's on social media or wherever you're finding those messages that as the stigma reduces, it gets easier for people to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to not know how you feel. It's okay then to not know how to be able to express yourself. I, I think that's a lot of fear that a lot of us have as well going, mm-hmm. I know, I know I need to get stuff off my chest, but I don't know how to express it. Yeah. Just taking the first step, like that's the hardest for sure. And that's where like those fear programs are going to start coming in and telling you that you're not worth it, but you most definitely are. And I can guarantee just reach out to OCJ or reach out to a friend that you trust. And that's where you can start. And we all have access to social media and and with a few keystrokes that will lead us down the path to seeking help. And what I'm taking away from this is that it's the first step. It's always the first step in everything that you do. And especially here in the year of COVID-19, when we need to be incredibly diligent at looking after ourselves and those we love more important. I think we really need to take that first step of, of seeking help. Um, it's unfortunate a lot of us need help, but a lot of us will never seek it because we don't ask. And so this is one of the final questions that I want to ask you. We all suffer differently. Uh, is, is there a very generic blanket of signs that we should look for in others when it comes to mental health, when it comes to mental illness? I think you always want to trust your gut instinct. Um, if you think that something's up with somebody, to always ask that question, however you want to ask it and however you show up for people. I mean, if it's, what's up, buddy? Or if it's like, or if it's more professional than that, it depends on your role or if that's your friend or someone you don't know. But if you have a gut instinct that something's not right, then taking the time to have that conversation. I mean, there's lots of resources out there in terms of like suicide prevention and that kind mm-hmm. of thing um, that are more direct. And so... I think if you reached out to OCJ that they could give you those those specific resources. Um, but for anybody listening, I think if you think something's up, it might be, and it's not going to hurt to ask. And it doesn't hurt if you don't get a response right away to check back in a day later, a week later, or just continually check in, and there might be a time where they're finally ready. I think one of the greatest skills attributes that humans possess is that we are able to communicate unlike other you know living organisms here on the blue planet and unfortunately a lot of us don't put that communication skill to use and we need to if if we want to 
help ourselves and if we want to help others that are close to us. We need to speak. We need to set boundaries. We need to love ourselves first and foremost. These are the big things that I'm, that I'm getting out of this. Um, and would you say those are the three big takeaways that we can take from this podcast? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, Alyssa Kellen, is there anything else that, that you wanted to touch on? Is there anything else pressing that you wanted to mention? The great thing about a podcast, we can take all the time in the world. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else. No, I think that's about it. Other than like, if you are struggling, reach out, um, take that first step. And if you message me, like as a human being, like I'll be there. Yeah. The OC, I mean, everybody that's become of part of, of OCJ and it continues to grow and it's our collective journey and it is a collective. It's to let you know that you are not alone and you're not going to find judgment. You are going to find acceptance and you're going to find the means to seek help to get better. And we are so incredibly grateful that we've had this opportunity to, to speak with you. And we're incredibly grateful that you're now part of OCJ. So thank you so much for, uh, for taking this time out. It really means a lot to us. Thank you so much for having us, Poncho. Yeah, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Check out this and our other great podcasts at pymedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.